Welcome to the GT Reboot. This week, we all discuss Microsoft's plans for E3, uh, including some other plans regarding digital game refunds. We also talk about the reports of the SNES Classic and the recent rise of Battlegrounds on Steam. We're so excited to talk about this with you this week, so let's boot up. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Gaming Trend Reboot. Uh, my name is, of course, Joe DeClara, your co-host, and my second co-host is one editor of Gaming Trend. I'm news editor, this is editor of Gaming Trend, uh, Mike Pierce. Mike, how are you this week? I'm good. Uh, how are you doing, first editor? I'm doing... Uh, no, no, news editor. I'm not the first editor. News editor? There's yeah. been oh, so okay. many other editors before me. I'm probably like the uh, 20th or 30th editor. I wouldn't even know the order. So, ah, so right. I think you came before me. So to put you around like 18th or 17th editor. Okay, we'll sure. Get, we'll 18th. get the hierarchy. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get the hierarchy down. Okay, but we are also joined by other uh, editors and writers of Gaming Trend. That's one, Zach Faber. Hello. And Christian DeCoster. Hello. All right, gentlemen, how are you doing this week? I good. am fantastic. That's good. Fantastic. I, I am tired. Ah, Christian, you gotta get off. We're done with oh, you. What? Only enthusiasm. Well, Mike, uh, Mike hounded me for being enthusiasm. such an unenthusiastic host. A couple. It wasn't Mike. It was actually Josh. So now only enthusiasm. There's no. There's no room for muddled enthusiasm or uh, dampened spirits it all has to be chipper and everything we're gonna move on we're gonna go on to the news <laughs> it's hard to be best. optimistic when you've got uh people like hunter that appear on your podcast regularly because he's just so much more optimistic than every other human being yeah. alive not even fair how he like it, i i swear he's just dead inside but he <laughs> just projects <laughs> Like and I, a- endless enthusiasm. I, I will say I'm not gonna lie. Um, I was really hoping he'd be on today because I noticed last time he had a really cool mug, and it was like it was a Fallout one. And I have like my my Marvel mug that's shaped like the uh, the Infinity Gauntlet. I was mm. gonna bring that on and show him up with my cooler mug. But oh, man, God, I need not, to look. I need to look he, closer at this mug because the last time I saw it, it looked like he was drinking out of a Folgers can that had like a handle <laughs> on it. No, it, it's a uh, it's a Fallout like it's a Pit Boy, but it's oh, a mug. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. And I, I saw that and I was like, I have a cooler mug than that. I need to remember <laughs> to bring it the next fuck time. Fuck this guy's mug. I got, I can show <laughs> this guy up on his mug game. I got serious mug game though. My favorite mug is um uh, a Joe Cool mug, which I'll show another time. But I have a serious uh, retro Star Wars looking mug that has like Star Wars imagery, a la like comic strip style, and. I mean, it's it's bonkers awesome. It's like the, my favorite mug, and it's a tall mug, so it's very it's got a lot of capacity to it. So that's good. I, I really hope Hunter listens to this episode. <laughs> oh no, it's it's with full intent of him knowing and hearing it. This is yeah. now the official trash hunter for nothing. Oh yeah, no hunter. Hunter is main nemesis number one of yeah. uh, the gaming trend reboot, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Did he you deserves... just say we need to mug him? <laughs> yep, mean mugging. He deserves none of this, but he's getting it anyway. That's true. It, it happens. Yeah. All right. We're going to go on to the news. Uh, we have a couple of pressing stories. All Well, a couple of stories are console-related. Very interesting. Uh, one of them is Xbox-related. Uh, but before we talk about Xbox at Scorpio at E3 and other Scorpio-related uh, news, uh, there was a report uh, cy- circulating the internet about Xbox uh, supporting digital refunds. That's refunds for digital copies of games, uh, which sounds insane, but uh, it's actually something that's very common. It's uh, done on Steam all the time, and it's looking like Xbox is uh, taking that and bringing that service to uh, the Xbox Microsoft Marketplace, which is definitely good. Uh, So on the Xbox One Reddit, uh, something came up that... Uh, shows that there will be some kind of service put in place. Uh, we have some of the bullet points here. Uh, one of the main, uh, sorry, one of the main 
factors of the service will be that games, quote, games and apps are eligible for self-service refunds within 14 days of purchase if you have less than two hours of playtime across all accounts. So across any uh, Xbox Play Anywhere platforms, that's Windows PC, Xbox One, Xbox One S. Uh, if you play that game uh, that uh, across any of those platforms for over two hours uh, and past 14 days, it's no longer eligible. And that sounds a lot like the Steam service. Um, this is something that uh, Phil Spencer hinted at, actually, a couple times. He's often, well, a couple times has said that they were, would consider it and they were interested in the possibility. And lo and behold, they're following through with it, it would seem. Uh, so, Mike, what do you think of this service coming to Xbox? I think it's great. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's something that's been necessary for a while. It was something that people asked Steam to do for years. And uh, Steam finally relented and did it. And um, I think it's something that every digital distribution platform should be doing with, you know, the um, the prevalence of just downloading games instead of buying physical media. You know, if like you don't have a you don't have a way to refund it, that seems a little seems shysty shady a little bit yeah and uh and i think it pisses a lot of people off because it's really convenient to buy games you know without having to go to a store and actually have the media in your hand but if you have no recourse if you don't like it then that discourages at least some people from taking the plunge if that's a good expression to use sure um yeah and uh and I, so yeah, I think it's great. I think this is a uh, this is something that everyone should be doing. And I'm, I, if this report is true, I guess this is still just a report. But if it is, I think this is yet another step in the right direction for Microsoft. They seem to be really on point this year. They're doing a lot of uh, really really good stuff so far. So I'm happy about it. Yeah, they're making a lot of good PR moves. Um, a lot of uh, consumer friendly moves. Um, not necessarily uh, shaking the boat too much with. Uh, interesting software or interesting innovative ideas, uh, but they are definitely uh, showing an interest in uh, being of service to the, their customers and their consumers. Uh, that's good. Um, the one, the one thing I would say about this that that I would like to mention that I forgot to mention is that, as with Steam or uh, Valve Steam, basically the same thing. Um, this Microsoft One, it, it only allows you to play two hours of the game before you lose your ability to return it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I like it's the same on Steam, in, isn't it? Right? It, it is. Yeah. yeah. the 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 policy is almost identical. I know. I saw this last night on the Xbox One subreddit, and immediately I was like, "Oh, this is almost identical to what Steam has." Right. Um, the big difference is that this Xbox One does not allow refunds on DLC. At least that hasn't been indicated yet. But um, well, it was indicated that it won't. Thing, so f- it won't provide, yeah, so refunds oh, for DLC. You're right, you're yeah, right. yeah. Um, but the the two hour thing with Steam and uh, Microsoft does kind of piss me off because there are some games like, you know, you you might you might be on the fence two hours in. You might not know if you really like it until four hours or five hours or whatever. I understand they need to put a limit on it, but it seems to me a little bit like two hours is um, not enough well, in a lot the, of cases. Well, the contrast to that argument is that sometimes it's uh, too much time and it's caused problems. Like uh, with Firewatch last year, there was uh, kind of a big story going around when Firewatch launched that people were finishing the game within the two-hour time limit. And they played oh, the entirety of the game, and it's a very good game. And they were <laughs> oh, man, uh, returning the that. game. Yeah, so it's it can be uh, manipulated and can be abused. The system. Okay. So that's a good Steam's point. A good yeah, point. Steam system isn't a perfect system. It is a system that exists, which is important because right now there aren't a lot of uh, platforms that will offer digital refunds, uh, right. and that's. Um, probably unfortunate there are problems like you said you know for some games like dota you're not going to get it well dota's free but you know some games out there you're not going to really get your feel for it and figure out if whether or not you actually like it within two hours i think though that two hours is certainly fair enough for you to know whether or not you want to maintain your stance on your investment and just go for it like if you don't know in two hours if 
you're going to spend another two hours or three hours playing this game, whether you like it or not. I think, uh, I think that's fair. Like just to give it two hours. I think though, there are some instances where it can be abused. Um, and that we've seen that I don't have any better suggestions. I'm sure some people do and some people have voiced them, but I mean, uh, I do want to recognize that steam system is not the, uh, it doesn't have to be the definitive system. This is still a new problem we're working with. Right. But uh, Something's well, better than nothing. Absolutely. And yeah. with the, the upcoming Scorpio release, uh, they might be trying to head off VR games, which might be coming into that platform. So, And people want refunds for those. Because if you can't play them, yeah. like the article Ron came out with, the, the refunds would fix that problem. Mm-hmm. And yeah. two hours is plenty of time to find out if you can play a VR game. Right, yeah. yeah. Besides not right. liking the game, uh, actively yeah. disliking a game, there's also the issue of uh, having a physical detrimental reaction to a game now. Yeah. Like, you can actually get sick playing these games. So right. it's definitely... Has PS4 addressed that yet? I, I, no, the PS4 I doesn't have. have any digital refund. Uh, you can, you know, call... Uh, some phone number and hound uh, customer service and find a way to get a refund or you can claim uh, you know malfeasance on your credit card or whatever you can get go through jump through hoops to get something done and it doesn't always work of course and it's also a hassle no there's no uh, definitive playstation offered service of returning your stuff uh, steam right now is the only one that i know that's doing this right uh, until NBA does it as well, I believe. I, okay. I think one of the reasons for Steam, though, is um, because just by the nature of PC gaming, sometimes you'll have like the best rig in the world and a game just won't run on it because it's not compatible with one thing that you have. Sure. Yeah, that's like, absolutely um, true. Like Ubisoft? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I've got a pretty good, you know, I've got a pretty good setup, but there was like one, you know, $20 indie game I bought that just didn't run on it. Yeah. And so, like, I, I just refunded it within an hour and said, like, just, you know, it doesn't work. But you don't really generally run into that on console, because if it were, runs on one console, it's going to run on all the consoles, bar some weird freak, yeah. you know, defect or something. That's, so I think that's, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Christian. I, I think that's one of the reasons that consoles have been holding off, is they can use that as kind of like an excuse. Sure. I, I think that uh, that problem is becoming more and more prevalent on the on consoles uh one we now have differently skewed consoles that are playing the same games right or we're, we're getting there with ps4 pro and soon the scorpio but we're also seeing an influx of crap games like shovelware uh via you know these indie games like i wouldn't i'm not to disparage indie games in general obviously it's just how uh this works this ecosystem like steam has for a long time and increasingly so in the more recent years have has seen an inundation of crap games or even predatorily designed half games that are just asset heavy and are not even fully functional and are just uh, just total garbage, if we're being frank. And uh, you can see that come to console once you open the floodgates, and that's what PlayStation's certainly done. Like, there's plenty of games on PlayStation that are just absolute trash, uh, So, uh, courtesy of the PS Store, and it's not relegated yeah. at all. So, I mean, stuff like this is definitely important, having a refund system when you decide that we're not going to really relegate all these games, or, we're not, or regulate all these games, ra- rather. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely a service that's necessary in this ecosystem and in this day. Yeah. up on the agenda we're going to talk some e3 but before we do we want to welcome uh our other editor who just joined us mr sparky muffin sparky muffin how are you today <laughs> uh, okay thank you 
Hi, I'm actually Sean Anthony. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, I had to call you out on your excellent. It's a very good uh, screen name for for Spark. What's it called for Skype? I'm sorry. It's, it's it's got history. It's also was in my email for a while, confusing everybody. Oh, good. Yes. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, the '90s were something, man. They they were there for sure. <laughs> All right. Yes, I was born. Uh, yeah. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. No. Any, as I am. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're going to talk some Xbox Scorpio. Uh, Not surprisingly, Microsoft has announced that uh, Project Scorpio, their next uh, console, whether it be an iterative um, upgrade to Xbox One or their next full-fledged console, is going to be revealed at E3. Nothing surprising, of course, uh, but we have the official uh, news item here from xbox themselves stating that they're going to reveal scorpio to the world uh which is exactly what we thought they would do um but of course they need to do a lot more than that so while we're having the subject uh brought up to us over and over this past week last week we talked about the specs because digital foundry came out with all of that and uh this week they're you know touting their plans to unveil their most powerful console to the world um gives us a chance to talk about our expectations for the console and for the console launch lineup so i want to just go around the room quick see what people think uh, mike what do you think xbox scorpio needs to do what do they need need to do at e3 and what do they need to do at launch to uh to kick some uh ass per se that's a pretty that's a really broad question. Um, sure. I'm not much of a I'm not much of a marketing strategist, but um, they definitely need to sell people on on 4K. I think is the big thing because they're they're billing this as uh, I believe actually one of their quotes is the first true 4K console for gamers. Mm. So if they want to use that statement, they need to really prove that that is indeed true. And I mean, it looks like from the specs that we've seen that that is probably true. But um, they need to show that it's worthwhile. They need to prove to current Xbox owners and current Xbox S owners that it's worth paying another five hundred ish dollars. That's the current estimate going for this thing. That it that it's worth paying that uh, on top of the console that you may already own. And for other people that don't have Xbox, they need to prove that they need to get one, or you know maybe try to fish some people from the the PlayStation universe over. Um, and I, and I think to, to do that, they need to really, um, they need to showcase the shit out of some sweet games, you know, probably stuff mm. that's coming out this holiday season. So, you know, like battlefront two or a new Forza or, um, I don't know who, who knows what else they've got up their sleeve, but definitely clearly battlefront's gotta be one. I mean, yeah. star Wars is coming out, in December, right? I think the new one, or is it November? Yes, it should be something like season, that. Yeah, and, and that's when most likely Battlefront Two will drop. And I mean, of course, that's got to be that. I I would bet that's their, um, like front runner. I guess that's okay. probably going to be the game that they're really highlighting. So that's my two cents. Sure, gentlemen, what do you think uh, Microsoft needs to do to sell Xbox Scorpio to the world? Well, um, I think. Uh, to make it work, they have to like put it more in the background. Like they should open up with it, show it off, but no one's gonna buy the Scorpio if it doesn't have any good games because no one's buying the Xbox because it doesn't have any good games. Right. So to justify going up, you have to show games the entire time. Don't just show me the thing and say it's in 4K because I-, I don't care about that if the games aren't gonna be any good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they should open up with it, show me a bunch of games, and just say that they're all on Scorpio and they're going to look better on it. And that that's what would sell me. Yeah, because games are what matter. I don't care about 4K if the games aren't going to be worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. It sounds. I think they they should showcase this old school thing that they're talking about too, where it's going to you know make older games look really good as well. Yeah. That I mean. That's not necessarily going to sell me, but that's a big deal to some people. Yeah, no, it's supposed the to idea. play current current games that are out right now. Right? It is. It is yeah. supposed to be fully backwards compatible fully with Xbox, Xbox One. One right? I think the uh, I think what they need is 
uh, VR. Uh, like, mm. because uh, Sony has the PSVR, PC gaming has so many different options for it. I've heard rumors that, like, uh, the Switch, there's going to be some sort of VR peripheral or something that, like, you, you take the Switch screen and you put it in uh, a headset there, or there something. There was a patent going around. Uh, the Nintendo did file a patent, but uh, that's, yeah. you know, there's a million patents out there. Uh, it may never become a thing. And, uh, frankly, the Switch is not too capable. Uh, it could, it could right. run a VR game, I think, but I mean, I don't know if that should be their primary thought process. But anyway, Xbox, yeah. No, but, um, but, but it's something they've looked into because it's a, it's a growing thing. And that's what I think the Scorpio, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they advertised with some sort of VR functionality, either as part of the main, console because it's a $500 console or as uh, some sort of add-on later on. Yeah. I I would would not be too surprised to see VR uh, at E3. Press conferences and the VR don't really mix too well. Uh, it's hard to demo that stuff. You really have to be strapped in to uh, yeah. get sold on it. But um, Xbox... Well, Microsoft has shown increasingly... Increase, well, they showed some interest in VR and Scorpio... Uh, the talk that has come from uh, heads at the Scorpio design team and uh, Xbox in general has been around like, yes, it's going to be a, a VR machine and it definitely has the juice to run it. So uh, I think, yeah, you're definitely going to see VR. I don't know. Mike and I spoke about this last week. I don't know if we're going to see VR attached to the console itself, uh, like say a pack-in because uh they have to be wary of peripherals Xbox because they have a bad history. Well, a bad, a very more immediate history with that, but, uh, which is unfortunate. Like I said before, cause it's a good, like VR is a good peripheral, whereas connect was a bad one. So it's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I agree with you that they have to do VR. Like they will do VR. I don't think that that needs to be their main focus. I think I mostly agree with Zach on, uh, how they need to show off the, the box and then get to games because last time they unveiled a box, they focused too much on the box and all its non-game stuff that it can do and all the sweet stuff that makes it so fantastic. And it wasn't. So, yeah, show us the box, give it a name, tell us the games. Uh, so, Sean, what what say you, good sir? Um, well, I, I'm wondering. I, I don't know terribly too much. I wonder if they're going to have any exclusives for it. Like mm. I, I don't think that's very likely, uh, because they're that would alienate their current Xbox One base, and uh, this it's not confirmed to be a completely new system, is it? No, uh, it's supposed to be an Xbox One. Yeah, it's but supposed just really good. Right. So that that kind of concerns me because if it's if it's not required, like all the new specs, then I I don't really see many. Uh, studios actually taking advantage of it mm -hmm. if most of the xbox one players aren't going to have it be uh some might have a why bother kind of a mm -hmm. attitude yeah. towards it but I, I guess we'll have to see how it all works well I, i'm oh well, i was just gonna say i think that's kind of where what i was saying comes in is you got to convince people microsoft has a lot of they got a lot of legwork to do trying to convince people that this is a worthwhile investment, especially for those people who already own uh, a current Xbox One or Xbox S. And it's a lot of money. So, um, and I don't know. We'll we'll see what they do. But you're right. If they if they can't get enough people to do it, then then who knows what'll happen? But and um, you still need a 4K TV, which most people don't have. Yeah, that's an right. investment. Yeah. Hopefully, there'll be bundles. I think we talked about that. Uh, a week or two ago as well, but hopefully, like Best Buy or Amazon or somebody's going to put together a you know buy an Xbox S and get a I don't know a Samsung 4K or something and two hundred dollars mm. off blah 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 or something uh, right, that'll yeah. probably convince some people. But um, I, I'm with Zach too. Like the last time the last release for Xbox was uh, there were not enough games basically, and there's it's still lacking. There were so. games, but it, the focus just wasn't there. The focus was this is an all-in-one 
uh, living room system. And it was only there for a few months, you know, like they backpedaled on that pretty quickly. But I mean, the message was out there and it had done the damage and people even still today, not, not ne- nearly as much as say like a couple of years ago, but like a couple of years ago, which was well into the Xbox one's life, uh, still saw it as like, Oh, isn't that the one that I need to buy connect? And like, it's voice activated and there weren't enough games. Like the, people still saw the Xbox one as that. So you, you unveil a console, that's kind of your main moment to sell people. And then after that, the message can stay attached to that, whether good or bad, from there on. So, yeah, it's definitely, Ether would definitely be important for them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely, you know, so many good points here. Uh, I, I think I remembered uh, something specific about what I was saying before I, I dropped out. I'll just be quick. Like, Sean, you said, like, I wonder if there's going to be exclusives or, like, I wonder how they're going to make it work, how this is a beefed-up Xbox One. It's totally backwards compatible. So, yeah, there won't be exclusives, at least out the gate. The message is uh, no Scorpio game won't run on Xbox One. No Xbox One game won't run on Scorpio. So, again, they're just the same console, one's beefier. But I don't think that'll be the case. Like, I upgrade my iPhone every two years, and the software, uh, the OS, gets upgrade updated every couple of months or a couple of weeks, it feels like. And as it goes on, I start to find that some of my apps are no longer supported or some... Uh, you know, like peripheral, uh, device, like I use external microphones and stuff don't, aren't supported anymore. Eventually it just says no, or even like old iPhones won't run some of the new software. Like, okay, now your phone is a little too old. This phone's four years old. You need to get a new phone to run this software. There's no like big banner moment, like PS5, PS4, right? That says, this is the cutoff. These games are old and these games are new. Instead with iPhone, it's more nebulous. And, uh, but they have a good system that they've been running with. So I think you'll see that with the Xbox Scorpio. In a few years, you're going to see some games that are X- Xbox Scorpio only. I think you, we, we all in agreement that, yeah, it, it needs to come with the games. I think you'll see a Halo game uh, announced at E3, and it'll come out this year. But, yeah, uh, I've been wondering about that, probably. too. It's about, it's about time for Halo 6 to drop. Yeah. Well, they have, a, they have to finish the trilogy, right? I guess so. I don't know if they're going to go for a trilogy. They, mm-hmm. I know they said that 343 is signed on for a trilogy. I think that that's probably been extended. I think they're just going to be the Halo uh, company from here on out. And well, that would be Halo 6, right? Isn't? But it would be Halo 6. Same thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. The next bit of news uh, has nothing to do with new consoles, has to do with Steam instead. Uh, an interesting game which I had not heard of until it had already sold over a million copies. Uh, one Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. So that is the game called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe it's Player Unknown's. Is the, the creator's player the creator's player unknown, player yeah. unknown and the game is yeah. Battlegrounds, which is a rough no, no, name. No, no, no. The- so, the <laughs> the full name of the game is Player Unknowns Battlegrounds. Gotcha. But okay. The name of the guy who is sort of responsible for the concept is actually Player Unknown. So it's like Player Unknowns with oh, like Sid Meier's. Yeah, yeah. Sid Meier's yeah, Civilization. Uh, right. Okay. So right, it's Battlegrounds. Exactly. Like I don't call yeah. it Sid Meier's. Like it's it's Battlegrounds and it's Civilization. So yeah, yeah. So it's Battlegrounds. Sold. 1 million units uh, very, very quickly. The uh, wow. game has been out for about a week, I think. Uh, let's see. It's past 16 days, two weeks. Or a little it's over still in weeks. early access, so it's not. this is not like an official release. Yeah, but, but, it, but then again, it is out there. And a lot of games like this, it is an MMO game or online multiplayer survival game, which a lot of games like this in early access on Steam. Uh, it's a very popular genre. Uh, to be broad with the genre type, uh, it's definitely uh, in ways different from games, say, like Daisy or Rust. Uh, they're all unique in their own respect, but they are online multiplayer survival games. And uh, this one sold in record time. And I have never heard the game. 
about the game before. So uh, I'm going to leave it to Sean. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Battlegrounds? Oh, boy. All right. So um, I, I had never played a game like this before I played it. Uh-huh. Uh, but when you play it, you're just thrown in there with about 100 other players. Uh, you fly down from an airplane, land on this island, and it's basically one life, you're done. You die, you're out, you go back to the title screen, you don't really see who killed you or anything like that. It tells you how many people you did kill, uh, how long you survived. But what was kind of cool about it was every time somebody died, it notified you, so it kind of felt like I was playing Hunger Games. Mm, okay. <laughs> and uh, it, the uh, arena also got smaller and smaller, uh, so it was getting kind of tense, but uh, unfortunately, I uh, encountered a lot of uh, issues as usual with early access games. Um, it, it it seemed like it was you get hit in the head from anywhere, you you're dead. <laughs> um, and well, but I, isn't yeah, that kind of realistic? That is that is true. That is true. But uh, like by enemies or like bumping your head. Well. I, I guess just enemies. I don't think I ever hit my head. <laughs> it won't let me jump that high. <laughs> there should I tried be a to game jump where over a fence and it wouldn't let me do it. There should be a game where if you run full speed into a wall, you're just dead because that—that's how it works. Or you or you take damage, just like you, you can't do that in real life. You have to wait for somebody to call an ambulance and just lay there for a few hours. Oh, that's it's getting dark. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> the main problem I ran into was the uh, optimization was not great at the start. So it took me seven minutes for the game to load to find out that I had died five minutes prior. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I turned my settings way, way down, and everything seemed to be fine. Um, but it also seemed very luck-based. Like, there's a bunch of equipment lying around you have to pick up. Uh, sometimes you'll find guns without ammo, and sometimes you'll find ammo without the guns. So it's a uh, it's a little bit luck based. Like general, generally, like games like this, because sure. everything is set in random areas. Right, right. Um, there's there's generally a strategy. Like if there's towns and stuff, you want to go there. Um, if you want to risk running into other people, of course. Mm. Maybe, I, I think I'm just bad at it. <laughs> sure, sure. I hear a lot of games like this, uh, like I had said before, Rust or uh, Daisy. Uh, this game, if I'm right, I had heard. Uh, again, I don't know a lot about this, but I heard that it uh, started off as a mod for Arma uh, or Arma Two, uh, whichever the Arma games that's currently being modded and played a lot, um, and uh, that that would probably explain a lot of for uh, that would probably explain the popularity, like the immediate popularity of this game. Uh, which sounds a lot like DayZ, uh, because DayZ was also a an Arma 2 mod, wherein you were dropped into the map, and you had one life, and you could gather resources that were randomly dropped uh, amongst the map, and it was, again, permadeath, and there were a bunch of zombies everywhere, uh, and you had to avoid the zombies and other players who would uh, rob you or kill you and loot you for all your stuff. And uh, and then you'd start over, uh, and so that mod became DayZ, which became a real game uh, that launched in early access or uh, as a demo or what have you, and became pretty popular. This game is uh, showing, proving to be exponentially more popular than that game, or uh, at least in its first couple of weeks of being in early access. So I'm just curious how this game differs from Daisy or from just any zombie game. Like this isn't a zombie game, I'm assuming. Uh, no, like, are, the... are you fighting any other uh, NPCs or what? What kind of uh, game nope. style is this? Do, do you mind if I chime players. in here, Sean, or do you want to keep going? Oh, it's fine. No, go ahead. Because I've I played this. Um, this is uh, the reason I'm chiming in is because I actually played this. Uh, right after PAX West 2016, so like September, um, this game had a closed alpha, and um, I did some coverage for it. And I actually interviewed a uh, player unknown himself, nice Irish guy named Brendan Green. Um, he's not so unknown anymore, is he? 
No, he's not. He's not so unknown. We've spilled um, the beans. Yeah. Well, it even says here on this article that what his full name is. So it's not, not exactly like this is a, a secret that he's keeping from people. But um, I don't know. It's basically, Joe, what you do is whereas like uh, DayZ and some of these other games are, are kind of like uh, they're more survival oriented and, and you'll be playing for a long period of time. This game is based off of an old um brendan told me the idea was based off of the old cult classic movie battle royale Mm -hmm. where you're just like dropped into an arena and everyone's fighting to the death basically except the arena is an island right and kind of like sean was saying it's a little hunger games ish as time goes on the map gets smaller which forces people into closer proximity Mm. uh with each other and then there's more fighting and more fighting until there's just one person left alive and then the round's over, and you start again. So right. okay. that's it's there. I think when I did it, the rounds were half an hour, maybe. And I don't know if it's the same now. Um, but uh, Sean, Sean could tell you. But uh, it's, uh, it's a fun game. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely fun. Uh, from my coworker, who is like a big, huge fan of these kinds of games, he said the uh, the gunplay is much better. I unfortunately wouldn't know that because I haven't really played much of a Daisy or H1Z. Yeah, they were fine. Yeah, that was one of the things. That was one of the things they told me was a big deal for them, and it didn't occur to me at the time. um, But uh, one of the so one of the Korean developers was present during the interview as well, and they had a translator, and um, it didn't occur to me at the time. But the Korean guy pointed it out that uh, South Korea is still a conscription military. It's mandatory service for all men from like 18 to 20, I think. So since this this developer is based in Korea, there is a very uh, strong chance that essentially every man in has been in the South Korean military mm. and has fired weapons extensively. So that's probably part of the reason that the gunplay feels a hell of a lot better because they actually know what they should feel like and how they should function. Wow. So that's an interesting point. It's great. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the idea of this game because it's a little sounds a little more streamlined than say a Daisy or a Rust. Like those games you're kind of just wandering and you're gathering a lot of stuff where it's this sounds like a sweet arena shooter, which are very high stakes because it's, you know, Permadeath, although perma is not too dire because the rounds are pretty quick. So that sounds pretty cool. Uh, I don't play early access games. I like my games to be finished. Although nowadays <laughs> I feel like nowadays I feel like I'm always playing early access games anyway. So you know maybe I'll be less picky. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, I only play finished games or when you can finished, help. It, I guess right when yeah. you can help it. When exactly. I can help it. Yeah, right. I, I, I try and avoid early access. Yeah. yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys on that one. All right. My so, worry for it... Uh, oh, sorry? I'm sorry. No, Sean, go ahead. Uh, I, I'm worried that it's it's going to never leave early access, but they seem to be very uh, optimistic that it's going to be out of it within six months. That seems to be a problem with some of these kinds of games. It's an interesting thing yeah. to promise things as a developer. You know, like, why bother promising things until you just... Until you just know, like, it's likely, you know? I mean, if that's if, if they are confident, then more power to them. But I just, I don't know. Like, early access is always such a thing where I see so many games that are just perpetually in early access. And it just never ends. And they they live there, kind of, you know? Like, what was it? Survival Arc? Uh that game oh, God. Yeah. that game is oh, still in early access worst. isn't it yeah but like i well, mean yeah. people you know, love that game but it is an early access existing game and that game's mm-hmm. what gonna see a release one day that's crazy about that the worst thing about survival arc is that they are selling dlc which is oh, ridiculous just say that like yeah the- you, that's just wrong if you don't if you don't have a full complete functioning game yet you should not be allowed to sell dlc for a game that's not really officially a finished game yet that's just bullshit but they are and and people are eating it up so i, I mean, mean people love the game so i mean they yeah. i guess they don't see 
they don't see the ethics of it. They just see a game that they really like and they don't mind. And they've been conditioned to this thought process of, oh, the game's going to be updated regularly. And I don't know, is that okay? Maybe I wish it would, would then just be released or had been released way long ago and with the preconceived notion of uh, being updated regularly after the release. Like, say, Minecraft. Like, Minecraft essentially is an early access game. It doesn't exist in early access. Mojang just, or Mojang, I know they're supposed to be pronounced that way, just uh, continually updates it and gives it new stuff, and uh, normally at no cost to the players, except now there's texture packs and whatever with Microsoft. But, I mean, games can exist outside of early access with that system, uh, uh, but I don't know. Maybe it's not a problem because people love it. You know, people love these games, and they're totally—they seem fine with the concept. So I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, five. Oh. Yeah, sorry, Christian. Uh, I, I was just gonna say I played five minutes of Ark. Um, I spawned between a sheer cliff face and a shark-infested ocean, and I just froze to death. And that's my own. <laughs> And that's my only experience with the game. Yeah, I, cu- I couldn't judge you for that. Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our last news story here. Uh, so just today, we found out uh, from Nintendo uh, via a statement to IGN that the Big N is discontinuing the infamous... Nintendo Entertainment System Classic, or the NES Classic, NES Mini, uh, this elusive uh, little trinket uh, emulator machine that was a hot item back last holiday season, uh, though only a uh, an estimated 1 million units was sold uh, worldwide since this release, and uh, it's now being discontinued. Uh, which is, of course, just the most rational thing to do. You know, if you have a really, really uh, sought for, sought after piece of equipment that's easy to make and sells for a quick buck and is super, super popular like this, the first thing you should do is discontinue it once it's sold a million units. So, uh, obviously, the most logical move they could make. Uh, what do you guys think of this very regular? process that nintendo is going for <laughs> i I've, I've said it many times i'm not a big nintendo fanboy but they're uh what's the word i want to use um i don't know they're, they're just sh- inadequacy uh, efficiency but just their their shitty decision making and and incompetence uh, incompetence thank all, you that, all that the i think is exactly, exactly what i was looking for sean uh their incompetence never ceases to amaze me like this this is as close as you can get within the video games industry to literally printing money. Probably. I mean, this yeah. thing, it's its a plastic box that costs them, I don't know, $5, 10 at the most to produce, probably less than that. And all the games for it have already been made. Like, you're just, you're, you're making money hand over fist with this thing. Like, crazy. And it's super popular. But no, we're going to yeah. discontinue it. What mm. the fuck? I like. I just don't. I don't know. I'm not a business major, but it seems c- common sense would would suggest that this is a stupid ass move. So yeah. it is anyway. definitely a stupid move. Um, I I've contended for a while that this was all premeditated. That they were that it was intentional for them to underproduce these games and undership these games. Uh, that it was something they were always going to do. Uh, I have all sorts of conspiracy theories as to why they would do something as ridiculous and insane. Uh, each theory is more ridiculous and insane than the actual concept itself. But uh, put your tinfoil hats on, boys. Yeah, I mean, no, I won't, I won't go. I won't go into detail. Uh, but well, one. I'll give you one. How about that? I have oh, several. Wonderful. I'll give you one. Yeah, one theory was that in. Preparing for the release of the Nintendo Switch, Nintendo. This is my probably my most drastic uh, prediction. Nintendo made this thing and intentionally uh, created an artificial scarcity and didn't create and didn't produce a lot of these or ship a lot of these in order to reinstate and reinvigorate the uh, thoughts in our minds, in the media's minds, and in the consumer's mind that. Nintendo is bad at production. So when the Switch comes around, everyone thinks, oh, everyone better 
immediately pre-order your Nintendo Switch so that it doesn't we don't lose our chance on it selling out. And they sold record Nintendo Switches, so in my mind they succeeded in their maniacal plan to uh, sell Nintendo Switches. But that's my most insane theory. That's but a I, hell of a double think there, Joe. I mean, it's I, 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 that's. I mean, it's That's genius, impressive. Mike. It's incredible, right? It's. I mean, it's you not are, my idea. It's theirs. So. You are hereby dubbed <laughs> in foil, Joe. Yeah. So, and, uh, but it, but it worked. Yeah, but the, here's the yeah. thing. Regardless yeah. of what crazy theory you can come up with, uh, or that I can come up with, uh, it was heavily desired by the entire video game market and outside the video game market. It was a sure thing for any person wanting to. It's a perfect stocking stuffer, right? That was essentially the thought behind it. And even after you have this ridiculous plan, whatever it might have been, you should see that and you should see the demand and the opportunity and you should jump for it. And uh, they didn't. And I think they intended not to. And I think it was a huge miss for them. Also, um, I've been... So I really wanted to pick one of these up. Uh, I've been looking... Nintendo also released a version of the Famicom in mm-hmm. Japan, like a, basically the NES classic, but a Famicom. Right, classic. it was the same same games, I yeah. think, too. Yeah, it, a, a few different Slight ones, different. Yes. and um, it has a second controller as well. Right. Okay. Uh, All right, because they came on the sides. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you can actually import one of those for cheaper than you can buy a NES classic. Oh wow! At this point, like it's a fifty dollar difference between them. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, right, because they're being uh, scout. Uh, they're being resold for you know tw- over twice the amount that the Nintendo Classic sold for here. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, the, e- the eBay bots are at it. Yeah, and I mean now it's probably going to be outrageous because now it's a, uh, you know, it's a piece of history at this point. <laughs> Just Nintendo selling their stuff on eBay to make no, oh man, oh <laughs> no. The conspiracy goes deeper. <laughs> I said, I said something to well, the guys. I said I something think I'm to rich a friend. Now. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I said something to a friend that the re the cumulative resale turnover on this thing is probably going to be larger than the actual profits Nintendo made themselves on these things. Like these things could potentially resell like twice over each of them, and I believe that nearly 50% of them were uh, scalped, so... So if we got some time left, Joe, I'd love to talk about Dawn of War 3. Yeah, okay. We can talk some Dawn of War 3, or I mean, you can talk about it. I, I wouldn't be able to contribute anything to the conversation. Well, but. we just happen to have another person on the podcast okay. to contribute to the conversation. Oh, man. Who, yeah. who might this be? Who, what that? kind of nerd yeah. would come on here and talk about <laughs> Dawn of War 3 with Mike Pierce? Well, Mr. Zach Faber uh, was crazy enough to join me for one of his first RTS experiences ever, I think, right? Yes. Pretty much besides XCOM, if you want to call that RTS. Yeah, that it pretty much is. Besides that, no. I've never played RTS before. So what did what did you think of Dawn of War 3? I thought it was excellent. Like, I'm definitely playing Dawn of War 3 when it comes out. See? God, look at all you non-strategy <laughs> players out there. Look, look what you're missing. It's pure, pure brilliance. Um yeah. It's Zach, good. what did you like about Dawn of War 3? Yeah. It was far better looking than I expected an RTS to look like. Because, yeah. like, I was, like, seeing the little sprites and never really, like, thought much about them. Mm. But, like, loading one up and actually playing it on my PC, very impressed on how good the game actually looked. And it was... And- the, the animation of the... Oh, I can't remember what it was called. The, the Wraith Knight. Knight? The Wraith Knight was... One of the best things I've seen all year. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I absolutely love that. I did that even even when it was bad strategic move <laughs> or move. I hit that key regularly with the Wraith Knight just because it was so awesome to see. <laughs> so you have this. Just to describe it to you guys, you have this gigantic. Uh, 
it's not a robot. It's actually like some living spiritual Eldar thing. I can't remember the backstory behind it, but it's gigantic. And it's clearly, I don't know, four times taller than every other unit on the screen, basically. And so it's just massive on your screen, but it moves so smoothly and you can just do this crazy, it like leaps up and then lands and does like a sword slash and then just slides across the ground and just eviscerates everyone in its path. And it just like when your whole screen is packed with units and shit just goes flying everywhere with this huge sword wheeling behemoth. It's, it's pretty impressive and that it does it smoothly is even more impressive. So it is a hell of a good looking game. It, it really is. It's the, it's the best looking strategy game I've ever seen for sure. We were yeah. really good at it too. Oh, Dominated God. comes to mind. Yeah. I think we won two, two, two matches out of twenty, something like that. <laughs> we, we got absolutely destroyed all weekend. It was terrible. Yeah, I but. did. I did see. Get. I was struck by how pretty the game is. Uh, I did watch your let's play, and upon just like the opening shot, and it had this giant monster thing swiping at a tower. That's the or whatever. one I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 that was the guy. And I'm just like, oh my god, this game is like really <laughs> serious. And yeah. I think uh, my reaction was uh, like that because I've seen. Um, other strategy games like, say, XCOM 2, which is a pretty game, but, I mean, it's just not on an epic scale like that. Uh, it's a different right. style. And then Civ 6, which is, while a pretty game, a little more cartoonish uh, this time around. And uh, still a pretty game, but just, again, the epic scale and the... Um, you know, the frenetic uh, animations and, and effects that are happening were just very impressive just upon first seeing it, and especially because it looks so much better than, say, some of the MOBAs that are out there. Like, Dota is not the prettiest game. It's a pretty game, but, I mean, it's it's very nerdy looking, and so is League. Uh, and what's the uh, Blizzard... Uh, MOBA game uh, he- that's out there. Heroes, Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, Hots. Heroes of the Storm is a good-looking game. I just... Uh, this game looked uh, phenomenal. And I was like, wow, this RTS is like such a thing that's still happening. And it's like, guys niche audience, and they take it very seriously, you, Mike, being one of them. And just us mainstream gaming media folk are just like, oh, is that people still play that? And I'm just... I'm curious, Mike, like, why you think that is? Why you think RTSs have not disappeared they're still very much there but they are not like this uh massive force that they were in like the 90s or the very early 2000s yeah you know i don't know it, it mystifies me i was actually going to ask all of you the same question but in in reverse i was going to ask you guys why you don't play strategy games or why they don't interest you because it, it mystifies me um I mean, I was asking why you think like the world, but you're like, yeah, I'm wondering why you sons of bitches aren't playing RTSs (laughs) right now. What's your problem? Basically, where I'm going with it is, yeah, you guys are all just plebeians. Oh no, you're not doing the right thing. (laughs) Um, But no, I, I mean, I'm sure part of it is that uh, I'm I'm older, you know. Sure. So these these strategy games are kind of part of my childhood. Like I have vivid memories of playing Red Alert the original Warcraft and Warcraft two and, you know, Starcraft and all these other things like famous, famous games, um, that, that a lot of gamers today either weren't alive to see or were in diapers, you know, when they were at their heyday. Hmm. So I'm sure just that alone has a lot to do with it. Um, as for other theories, I, I have a lot, um, I think some of it is that mainstream gaming in a lot of ways, um, now is quite casual people like easy simple um sort of you know pick it up put it down kind of games not all the time but mm. I, I think that's definitely a draw for a good amount of people um and and strategy games also require a lot of micromanagement you really have to be paying attention and like you know you can't be you can't be fucking around on your smartphone while you're you know you're playing strategy game or whatever and um that's how me and mike won that's what they were doing. So I don't know. I it, it's a. I think they just don't. Some of it is that they don't appeal. Some of it could be as simple as they they take too much attention and too much focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and maybe some of it is just uh, exposure. You know, they seem time-consuming to too. Like the 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 matches are pretty uh, significant, at least. Yeah. Well, and. 
I think there's also something involved with like uh, it, the the learning curve is steeper, and when you lose, it cuts deeper than like if you're you know running around in a shooter and you just get shot and you die, no big deal, you yeah. know, like yep. oh, okay, he was a good Spawn shot. In Ten and, seconds, yeah, right, yeah, but like in in a strategy game, when you lose, you feel like you were outclassed, you were outsmarted. You're you feel wholly inferior in a lot of ways because you just got completely outsmarted and outmaneuvered, and so it really I mean it sounds weird but it does kind of cut deeper like when I yeah when I get killed in Battlefield I don't give a fuck but when I lose uh like a Dawn of War match or or a strategy match it pisses me off like mm. I because there it's was humiliating yeah it's yeah yeah there's also a lot less uh. RTS on console, which is like yeah. one of the main medias. Yeah, I mean, I think the vast majority is PC, right? I can't uh, even name one that's on. But console. even like the PC uh, audience is still. I feel like not a lot of people are really gravitating to RTSs right now. I think. Uh, I think, Mike, you're right. I think like you know the casual audience is part of it. Obviously, PC audience normally isn't affiliated with casual audience, but even those people are playing more casual-esque games right now. Like, a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine who used to play a lot of Counter-Strike and a lot of Halo, I never played Counter-Strike. Uh, I, they were all, like, my, my Halo buddies when we were younger and in college, but uh, they all moved to Counter-Strike and now are playing nothing but Overwatch or Destiny because it's, uh, well, Destiny is another story, but Overwatch is, it, like, Counter-Strike takes an hour to play because you got all these rounds and uh, when you lose, you feel that, uh, you know, that disheartening uh, depression of, like, losing an hour and feeling like you got outplayed and it's it's very um, impactful. It's an impactful loss, whereas uh, Overwatch, you spend 2 to 15 minutes playing a match you win or lose and you're like all right one more game we'll play one more game either way you're you're always saying that and i think that's a big thing um i also wonder if like i don't know how rts's and mobas play differently but i feel like maybe like a lot of that audience moved to mobas because they seem very similar though mobas seem a little more streamlined i guess i keep saying that word but they seem like to bypass this whole army building or base building mechanic that i don't know anything about but uh, I wonder if that's a thing that like MOBAs have kind of taken that audience and uh, have exploded it because MOBAs are huge right now. Yeah, I think so. To to hit Zach's point first, I think consoles definitely have something to do with it. Um, and the just for what it's worth, the last RTS on console I can think of was Halo Wars Two, which uh, which came yeah. out last month, and I reviewed it, and it's garbage. It can barely you can barely even count it as an RTS. It's like and I, and I say this at the risk of sounding like I'm on my 90s strategy veteran high horse or whatever, but it really is the most casual of RTSs I've ever seen. Like it barely passes as an RTS. If it, it but it, but if you're if you're not into an RTS for RTS's sake, then go play Halo Wars too because it's basically like. Build your base with crappy controls and go throw your blob of units at this other blob of units and hope that they overpower them. Yeah. And that's about as deep as Halo Wars 2 goes. Like it's really alienating um, those uh, those curious <laughs> players out there. Like yeah. if you want to play casual, you go play fucking Halo Wars 2, you casual. Right. You see so I Oh. Well, I was oh. just gonna say to the to the MOBA point, um, it's an interesting you bring that up, Joe, because uh, Dawn of War three incorporated at least in the multiplayer quite a few MOBA aspects deliberately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think part of it is for the reason that you say because a lot of maybe would be strategy gamers or former strategy gamers have moved to MOBA, um, or you know, or whatever. And 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 I think Relic has recognized that strategy games are kind of maybe not in decline, but are less popular than they used to be at their heyday in the 90s. And so they need to do something to kind of update the formula. And um, I said in my coverage about it, I actually liked it. I actually think it was a great idea, and I think it actually worked pretty well. So, Okay, sounds good. I hope I hope I, it works out for them. I, I'd like to see, I not for myself, uh, but just for you, Mike, I'd like to see the RTS genre bounce back and see some other things uh, besides like the two RTS. Well, three, I'll, there was also um, Deserts of Karak and uh, 
but other oh, than God, to, other than game. Total oh, War Warhammer, Total War ha- War, uh, forty thousand, whatever the fuck it is. Sorry, and and uh, and <laughs> Dawn of War. Like besides those three games that I keep hearing about. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of other like, ones on Steam. Yeah, that are it seems like, like a lot of the the big names don't really make them anymore. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like Warcraft, there hasn't been a Warcraft besides World of Warcraft. In yeah, forever. No. yeah. Starcraft I can't imagine. Yeah. Took forever to come out. Yep, and it but was I think crap. that did one fairly well, didn't it? Starcraft Two uh, did well. It kind of, it did. Yeah, it kind of petered yeah. off in the, uh, in sorry, in the competitive scene for reasons I I don't I wouldn't be. Uh, privy to but like i know that blizzard is doing a remaster of starcraft and the competitive scene is pretty excited about that uh mm-hmm. and so that's interesting that like in order to reinvigorate the uh rts scene and the following that you have to remaster one of the games that's never a good sign you know <laughs> maybe like, maybe blizzard's gonna revive their starcraft shooter do you guys remember that Oh, StarCraft Ghost, I think it was. Yeah, the one that was talked about and then never came out years and years and years ago. Yeah. yeah. I had a lot no. of friends that played StarCraft, too. Yeah. You, you see, I, I don't play a lot of RTSs because I, I need a game with a lot of verticality. Oh, God, I'm and <laughs> You really and, had uh, to sh- shove that in there, huh? I, I really get... did, no. Um, <laughs> I... I, I, don't play a lot of, I don't play a lot of RTSs because um, they... <laughs> They seem to take a lot of time to really get into, and also have really long matches, and that, that's my main barrier to entry, is that I, I don't have a lot of time to sit down for an, an RTS mm. session, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of what I, that's what I suspected for a lot of it, is that they're just more, I mean, you can, you can always save it and come back to it, unless it's a multiplayer match. Right. Um, but... Uh, that doesn't surprise me. That's one of those things. I mean, hell, people even complained about that with Battlefield 1 with the operations mode. Uh, operations mode is a significant time investment. Like, you can right. spend an hour in one match easy of operations, maybe more, sometimes an hour and a half. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Okay. All right, guys, so we okay with wrapping it up? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Right on time. Yeah, there you go. So... Uh, we're going to call it for the night there, uh, with some Dawn of War chatter and, uh, MOVA chatter, which is what we're all about here at Gaming Trend Podcast. We'd like almost never talk about that, but I mean, why not? We, we so could be. We could be. We could yeah. be. We so, will be. You yeah. wait. Dawn of War 3 is taken over. It's the dawn of a new Gaming Trend era. The dawn of Dawn of War. Oh, man. I love you right now, Zach. my hero. All right, guys. Overwatch, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, gotta play that Overwatch, man. You'll never touch another silly (laughs) clicking map grinding game again. I promise. You wait. All right. Wait. All right. We've been waiting to get that Overwatch. All right. So. Thank you all so much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. My name is Joe Clara. I am the news editor at Gaming Trend. I am. Once I, as I already said at the beginning, uh, joined by these fine folks, let's hear where we can uh, follow their content and uh, hear from them. Uh, Mike, where can our listeners follow you? Uh, you can hit me up at Twitter, which is at Grumpy Gamer. That's Grumpy with two R's. And you can also get in touch with Joe and I by emailing us um, at podcast at gamingtrend.com. There you go. And uh, Kristen, any handles? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at LockerKid.com. Or not LockerKid.com, at LockerKid. At LockerKid.com. LockerKid.com. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, I don't have that. Uh, That's probably some awful porn site or something. I'm oh, sure yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah, really bad. I don't even want to look that up now. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's probably really bad. It sounds suspicious. It really does. Uh, yeah, no, at LockerKid. That's where you can find me. Perfect. I'm not on LockerKid.com. I'm not responsible for whatever for whatever's on there. Zach, uh, where can we find your junk? I am also at on Twitter Whoa. Whoa. ZB Faves, where I have all my junk. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sparky Muffin, my man. Where can we find all of your uh, random ramblings and whatnot? Uh, so, well, surprisingly to no one, uh, you can find me at at uh, on Twitter at Sparky Muffin Three. Of course, because Sparky Muffin Three. This yeah, is the third Sparky, Sparky Muffin. Muffin. <laughs> yeah, I'll find them. I'll find whoever took it. 
Okay. So you had to go through, wait, Sparky Muffin. Sparky Muffin 1. Sparky Muffin 2. Am I about to get dropped? I think so. Uh-oh. No, I, I picked... I picked 3 because it's it's simply better. If it if it's 2, I just look like a poser, so... Okay. 3's worth that. That's fair. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, you're yep. Yep. Okay, yep. you got it dropped weirdly for a minute, but anyway. Cool. So uh, you can, of course, find me at Joey Dagabonuts. Uh, also, find all of a bunch of what we write on GamingTrend.com. Uh, we write reviews and news and uh, silly opinionated articles uh, up there. And like Mike said, if you have any questions for Mike or I or anyone uh, pertaining to the podcast, you can email us at the email address podcast at gamingtrend.com. Please join us again next week where we'll surely talk about more video games and uh, video game news. Uh, and we look forward to hearing from you again. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.